News, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Macias Show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change that our community needs. Join the conversation and join the cause for liberty today. Welcome to episode 61 of the Luke Macias Show. Uh, there are a couple things that we've learned over the last couple weeks. One, abortion is not only not essential, but it's murder. And two, saving money is a really good thing for everybody and every institution. So these are a couple things we're going to unpack, as long with a couple other things that I think hopefully we take away from this entire crisis that we're in the middle of. I honestly didn't want to take this week to just discuss what every other person is discussing because honestly, y'all are for the most part home and taking care of everything that you have to take care of and probably consuming more information than you could possibly consume regarding the coronavirus. So why would I want to fill uh, you with just another commentary on all the different things going on. So I want to try to talk about a couple specific things that you might not be as aware of. For those of you watching on video, you probably see this weird thing on my face. Uh, and I literally was like, should I film from one direction? I don't really care. I'm just going to let y'all look at my face. Um, but uh, it's fine. I, four or five days ago, literally got, I was tiling backsplash in my kitchen and felt a little bump almost like a spider bite or a beetle bite or my wife thinks it's a beetle I think it's a spider I don't know what it is but it went from little bite to kind of grown big old rash thing on my face and has really come down a lot and that's really nice um but I look a little weird and uh, I've apologized to my wife that she has to look upon this face and she has been gracious enough to forgive me and so we are going to continue to move on with life. But for all those of you who are watching this on video and concerned about my face, I'm really grateful for your concerns. Um, <clears throat> so let's talk about a couple things. What have we learned over the last several weeks? First of all, we've learned that two weeks can sometimes take like three months to actually pass. Okay. And that's a time space continuum that will not quite be understood. But for those of you who are like me, the last couple weeks have felt like several months. Um, I think there's a couple takeaways that we should just remember. One that I mentioned, abortion is not essential <clears throat> and it's actually murder. So what do I mean? Abortion is not essential. So our governor here in Texas, um, who has not really ever pushed abolishing abortion or getting rid of abortion as um, a major you know, policy initiative that he's been on board with. A lot of very pro-life Texans have prioritized trying to get rid of abortion in Texas. And the governor has been supportive of those pro-life efforts, um, but has never really made it uh, a priority of his administration, I would say. You know, each uh, legislative session, the governor lays out, here's the top things I want to accomplish, and has not said, hey, this is what needs to happen. Um uh, so one of the things he did, which I applaud him for though, was that he said abortions are not essential procedures because one of the things that we have done over the last several weeks is that the government has said, if you want to have a medical procedure, that's not essential. Uh, you can't have it. And, uh, I will let y'all know that may be one of the reasons why a lot of our hospitals, uh, have seen a significant drop in their revenue because people are either not coming in to get surgeries that they need or the surgeries that or the medical procedure that they needed is not deemed essential, therefore they can't do it. And that's going to have a pretty significant financial impact on our hospitals who are in a place where we'd really like them to be well-funded right now, and they're actually seeing a decline in their revenue. But uh, the governor said abortion's not essential. 
which means they can't go on. So abortion's not legal in Texas right now. And you know what? The sky has not fallen. Uh, there are not back alleys filled. And I pray that there are not back alleys filled. But one of the things Democrats always say is if you get rid of abortion, then, you know, the back alley abortion industry is just going to skyrocket. That's not happened. Um, we're not getting stories of that. Uh, you know, people are not going to talk about that. It, it, this is kind of the fear that liberals always do, right? When we passed open carry for the first time in Texas, there were Democrats that talked about how they were going to be, actually, this was concealed carry, but it was, you know, they're going to be shootouts at every four-way stop sign when people can't agree. And it's the same thing. If we get rid of abortion and start to save children's lives, then all of a sudden they're going to be back alley abortions all over the place. Um, people will always, though, seek to... Uh, take care of a problem without taking responsibility of that problem and hurt people, hurt people, wounded people, wound people. And many women who are in situations where they think that there are no other alternatives will often seek that as an alternative that will only do more damage to them and will permanently end the life of their child. And so, uh, pray for those women. And, and honestly, I think now's a great opportunity. More women than ever are potentially seeking alternatives. In fact, I was talking to somebody uh, who works within uh, a crisis pregnancy center talking about just the increase in people seeking help and guidance in their decision to make because they know they can't get an abortion right now. So a huge blessing for not only the children's lives being saved right now, but the mothers who are seeking those alternatives that they will not enter into a procedure that could cause permanent damage um, and will uh, be a decision that they'll regret for the rest of their lives. Um, so abortion's not essential. Abortion's murder. And it really should not happen in Texas. And so I hope that one of the things we take away from this time is that we can go into the 2021 legislative session and say, hey guys, we ended abortion for a month and we were fine. And children's lives got saved. So maybe we should consider doing that on a permanent basis. Maybe it shouldn't take a worldwide virus to actually decide that abortion shouldn't happen in Texas. So that is a hope of something we take away. The other thing we should take away is that saving money is really, really, really good. On every level. If you are a government, you should save money. This is what the rainy day fund is for. You know, every two years, big government spenders try to touch the rainy day fund in Texas, and they have succeeded multiple times um, while being opposed by some of the most conservative legislators in Texas. And every year they say, oh my gosh, don't you know that we have this and this and this, and they create a wish list of issues, none of which are raining, none of which are a tumultuous rainstorm. We're doing great. We can prioritize the money we have, but instead we need to take a little bit of that savings account and spend it on these ongoing foreseeable expenses that we knew were going to be incurred at some point. Saving money is really, really good. This is why you save money. If you are one of the majority, vast majority of Americans that are living paycheck to paycheck, I hope one of the things you take away from this is that saving money is really, really good. Because if you were in a situation where you had three to six months of living expenses, and I hope many of you do, then you would find that you are much less anxious right now regarding your finances, regarding your job. It gives you freedom to not act in a scarcity mindset on a personal level. If you are a small business owner, and I speak, I say this as a small business owner, and you are operating month to month where every single one of those invoices need to get covered for every single one of 
this bit of payroll and this rent check and all these things to be due, you're under a significant amount of stress. I know as a small business owner, I'm under stress. I know that as talking to other small business owners, they're under stress. But I do know that those of us who have set up our businesses in such a way to have cash in the bank are less stressed and are able to approach things with less of a scarcity mindset. So saving money is really, really good all the time. If you're a business, if you're personal, uh, a person, I guess, <laughs> all of you are people. And then if you're a government, and governments are the ones that seem least likely to learn this lesson. So we'll have to make sure that we reiterate the importance of that lesson after all of this is past us. I hope we learn that we have too many regulations in this state. You know, the governor has the ability in times of crisis to deregulate industries. He can literally waive regulations. And our governor has done that. Governor Abbott has done that multiple times on many levels. And the question that some people are asking is, why were these regulations here? If we are able to waive them, whether it be certain regulations over trucking or whether it be the telemedicine that is now being allowed in a broader context, or whether it be just simple stuff like, hey, restaurants can, uh, you know, give you a drink to go with your to-go order that you can take home and then enjoy the alcoholic beverage at your house. Why that was illegal, I don't know. It is illegal to drink and drive, okay? We're not changing those laws. You can't drink and drive. You can't get home and have drink half the margarita that you picked up at the restaurant. But you're allowed to buy a ton of liquor at liquor stores. You're allowed to buy as much alcohol as you want at HEB, but you can't get it at the restaurant down the street and take it home and enjoy it there. So the governor said... Just to give you a peek into the window of government bureaucrats, when we talk about like the deep state, okay, when Trump talks about the deep state, when other people talk about the deep state and the problem we have with entrenched bureaucrats, I'm going to give you a peek into the window of the Texas deep state. This might seem weird because we're talking about alcohol. Actually, I guess more deep state operatives operate within the alcohol industry probably than others. So uh, the deep state. So Governor Abbott says, hey, we're waiving the regulation. He as the governor can say that. During a time of crisis, I'm waving the regulation. You can take your drinks to go. So restaurants start giving margaritas to go. Here, we put it in a lid. We put the cap on. We give it to you. It's taped up. You can take it home and drink it with your food. And the Texas Alcoholic Beverage Commission says, you know what? We've interpreted the governor's request to say that you are allowed to give them two things, one of the liquor and one of the mix. So restaurants have to give you your margarita, everything but the tequila, which for those of you who don't know what makes up a margarita, there's, you know, lime, there's agave, there's maybe some other type of margarita mix, depending on what these people do. Personally, I think you stick with the essentials. And then you have usually an orange liqueur and a tequila. And so basically they're saying you can give them two things which they can mix themselves. So weird, just making it that much harder for all these small businesses to stay alive, but okay. So they say, I know the governor said you can take it to go, but you really can't take it to go. You can take two things to go and mix it yourself afterwards. Just another example of how a government bureaucrat says, nope, not what the duly elected governor says, what we as the bureaucrats say. And you had restaurants scared enough to say, well, I can't go against the TABC because they could pull back my liquor license. So I hope we learn that there's a bunch of regulations 
that are unnecessary. And the last thing I really want us to at least start considering today is what we are going to do about future crises. Some of y'all might know this. So crisis is singular, crises is plural. My mom will be super proud for me saying this. Honestly, she'll feel like she accomplished something as a homeschool mother. But, uh, you know, some people say crises because it just seems natural, but it's not. It's crises. It's C-R-I-S-E-S. That's the plural version of crisis. And then, of course, crisis. So I hope we start thinking about what we're going to do because there will be more crises to come. And we have an option of how to address each crisis as it occurs. And the majority of America seem to be of the mindset that the collective gets into a general groupthink mentality and then they use the power of government to make sure that every single person, regardless of who they are or what they believe, do exactly what everybody else thinks they should do to avert, avoid, or prevent this crisis from hurting more people. There has been a minute amount of personal responsibility. And I feel bad for elected officials right now. Because honestly, if you're an elected official, you're in a really tough spot. Because 75% of your constituents, regardless of who they are, they want to tell everybody else how to live their lives. 100%. Doesn't matter whether they're Democrat or Republican, independent, man or woman, young or old. You're in a tough spot. And you see a lot of politicians trying to kind of balance this. How do I address this? Matt Walsh had a great tweet uh, this morning. He said, Wyoming has a population of 577,000 people spread out over 90,000 square miles and zero coronavirus deaths. But the media is mad that they haven't gone into full lockdown. Stupidity doesn't begin to describe this. There are a handful of governors who have essentially said, I'm not going to lock my state down. I'm not going to tell people they can't go to work. I'm not going to do these things. So, you know, you would hope that People are saying, hey, each individual state gets to make a determination and then after this crisis is past us, we can look back and see how people handled it and whether one was better than the other. But instead, the goal and desire is no, every single person needs to do exactly the same thing. And if you don't do the same thing that everybody else is doing, then you're wrong. If one governor says churches can meet, I'm not going to ban churches meeting. And another governor says churches churches are banned from meeting. Then every governor in Texas has to say churches are banned from meeting. And if you don't, you evidently want to kill old people, which is absolutely absurd. I wrote a piece about the need for churches to keep their doors open. It's on LukeMacias.com, and you can read it. But it was very early in this process. It was before any of these churches had stopped their Sunday services. And my view is not that a church of 3,000 people should say all 3,000 people should come on Sunday and let's all huddle up and give each other hugs and kisses and go out. But it's really dangerous that churches have moved so virtual, almost every single church, that in one of the biggest times of anxiety, 
stress that people don't know that a church's door is just open to go walk in and seek help and guidance. And this is not an indictment on every single church because many of you will probably send me links to how your church is doing things and they might be doing things differently than some other churches. But I'm concerned that even as a community of faith in Christ, Texas Christians are largely not only content with having virtual church, but not even concerned with the church potentially losing its place in society during one of the biggest times of crisis where people should be seeking us. Easter is this coming Sunday. And yes, I hope that every Texan gets on and watches a sermon online streamed by a church, but I hope that if there is somebody who is at the end of their rope, that they have someone to reach out to, someone to physically go reach out to in times of hopelessness that people would know that there's a community of believers ready to still embrace you with open arms. If you're somebody out there, reach out, call me. Uh, I have a good friend who's a first responder and he told me about a call that he had this week where he had to go pick up a body of a young man who had come to San Antonio for a job and then was promptly fired after he got here and then got drunk and decided to jump off his hotel balcony and end his life. And we are going to see uh, an increase in suicide. We know that statistically as the unemployment rate increases, the suicide rate increases. As people go home, domestic violence and abuse increases. All of these things are happening And now's the time for a body of believers, a community of faith, for Christ followers to be engaged in the community, to not simply be keeping everybody at an arm's length. And and somehow people have gotten upset at me for saying this, for saying that, yeah, the arm's length and six foot social distance is important. And by the way, I generally keep my distance from people. But by the way, it is not preeminent in its importance. And there's a real concern, and one of the takeaways that I hope our society, specifically our state, Texas, is able to start addressing, is how are we going to address the future crisis, the next crisis that comes up? Because the general group think, make a determination as a whole, and then just mandate it across all communities is dangerous. And it will have far-reaching consequences. And the elimination of personal responsibility and an individual right to personally respond, according to conscience, is a dangerous thing to lose because it won't just be the coronavirus where this type of mentality is applied. It will begin to be applied in all fashions, in all areas, in all arenas. And limited government conservatives will have very little ground to stand on when it comes to criticizing it. So let's think through that. 
God is good all the time. I hope you know that. And it has been very, very evident in my life over the last couple of weeks um, on, a pers- on personal levels, as well as uh, in business, as well as in politics. Uh, thank you so much for listening this week. Have a great time. And uh, stay safe. Keep your distance. Wash your hands. And encourage your church to keep open doors, even at a time like this. I hope you're ready for Easter. I hope you take the rest of the week to prepare yourself because he has risen and that is something worth celebrating. By the time I come back to you next week, we'll have already celebrated that. It's probably fitting that the time of Lent leading up to the time of Easter has fallen in the middle of this crisis and I hope each of you take time this week, if you have extra time, more time than you normally would, to just study a little bit more of the church calendar and understand why this is a time of anticipation coming up to Easter. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to The Luke Messiah Show. If you value this content and want our message to spread, please consider three of the following steps. One, subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to us on and leave us a review. Two, visit lukemessias.com and sign up for our email alerts. And three, follow Raz and I on Twitter and visit my Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Texas. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Luke Macias, Texas. Thank you so much and God bless.